0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
0: You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work.
2: Adam, Andrew Mason's tweet after the Broncos 26-24 lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars says it all about the state of this organization, the franchise, the fans, all of it. Mace said, the Broncos are now 0-4 this year, 0-8 in the last half season, 4-12 in their last 16 games, 8-24 in their last 32 games, 16-32 in their last 48 games. They have two eight-game losing streaks in their last 32 games. We now know what the old man and my mom experienced in the 1960s. That's how bad the Broncos have been
1: the last three years. Orange is the new brown. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. I saw it tweeted several times by several people. Uh, and if you were one of them, go ahead and pat yourself on the back, I guess. Uh, but yeah, orange is the new Brown and the ineptitude of the franchise is, has, was put on display, uh, in another heartbreaking loss, right? Another loss that looked like they had, they had sort of snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, but then, um, nope, they went ahead and, and lost anyway. So that's, that was the game against the the Jaguars losing 26, 24 on a last second field goal by Josh Lambeau and, uh. The, the wind, as the announcers kept talking about, the wind didn't matter, apparently. I was really hoping that wind would be a factor, and it clearly wasn't. Uh, it, was, it was a terrible outcome to a game that started off so well. And I, I know that uh, like before we started recording, you're like, I don't even care how it started, but I think that's the worst part. The worst part about this, um, maybe not the worst part, I, I know what the worst part is for me, but one of, one of the more terrible things about this is this game started off so well. This game, the Denver Broncos came out and they looked like the Denver Broncos that we thought we were going to see before the season started. They were uh, flying around on defense. They got, they finally got the sacks so the city of Denver doesn't fall into the you know, center of the earth and explode and all that good stuff. Uh, Von Miller gets his 100th sack, which is a huge milestone and something we should be celebrating. We should be right now talking about how excited we are about Von Miller joining the Century Club for the sacks. And instead, we're were not because of the disappointment of the loss. And it's just, you get done with that first half, and and you really put it really well. They got done with the first half, and it was like the game was over. They were done. They didn't have anything else to do. So, all done, right? All good? Isn't that, that where we're at? And obviously, no, that's not how it works. Football games are 60 minutes long. The Broncos forgot. I think it's
2: a huge credit to Von Miller because he not only becomes the 34th player to reach 100 career sacks, he became the fourth fastest in NFL history. He joins a list of Reggie White, Demarcus Ware, and Bruce Smith. Those are the three players who got to 100 career sacks faster than Von Miller. And anytime you're on a list with Reggie White, you're doing something incredibly well. And as you said, it's just a shame that the defense completely soiled itself in an i in an identical situation to what it was in two weeks ago. And if you haven't read my winners and losers on milehighreport.com, that's why I have Vic Fangio as a loser, a defensive genius would have his defense, having just gone through this scenario two weeks ago, prepared for it. And it was clearly not. And as you said, the way they came out in the third quarter, like they took a nap. It's like, oh, we got to go back out for the other 30 minutes of this game? We thought it was over. That's why Vic Fangio is a loser in my eyes, because it's, just, it's unacceptable. Not to mention, it's the first time the Broncos have started 0-4 since 1999, and only the fourth time in this franchise's
1: history. Huge, huge stats right there, right? As, as a fan, and let me let me just—I'm going to go off right now just a little bit—and and bear with me on this. I had—I used to play basketball for a guy when I was in middle school. Uh, and he used to tell us the most important quarter of any game is the third quarter. And I tweeted this out during the game, and and I got a little pushback from some people who said, "Oh, well, I always always heard it was the fourth quarter that was important." Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, but also I don't because the third quarter is the quarter where you come out and you smack somebody in the mouth, where you put them on their heels, where you take the game to them. And after after being up 17 to six at halftime. It is incredibly frustrating to come out in the third quarter and do nothing but three and out on offense and have a defense that can't figure out how to get off the field and essentially give up 17 unanswered points because of the field goal at the end of of, of, or of, of half, of the first half, and then you come out and you drop 14 to them immediately. It was the most frustrating part of this game because It was so high at halftime and then so low at at the start and the end of the third quarter. We got to the end of the third quarter, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm so happy this quarter is over. I thought it would never end. And they just were kicking the teeth out of the Denver Broncos on both sides of the football in all phases. For an entire quarter, the Broncos had disappeared. They became a completely different team. And then they couldn't recover. They almost did. I have a lot of, uh, you know, admiration for the continued fight that they showed in that game, but they deserved to lose because of the way that they came out, and I I lay that squarely at the feet of the coaching staff. I know these guys are professionals. I understand that, and there are going to be people who say you shouldn't have to have a coach get you fired up at halftime when you're making millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in the case of some of these guys. play a game. You should be fired up and ready to go. But for whatever reason, they were not. And so because they were not, that to me falls at the feet of the head coach. Now, Vic Fangio is a first time head coach, but it's not his first time in a locker room. It's not his first time assessing how players are doing during halftime. He should have known that something was wrong or he should have done something to keep his team fired up. Instead, they came out flat. They came out dead and they lost the game because of it. And that to me is a huge indictment on his ability to fire up the team when they need to get fired up. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying they should fire Vic Fangio. I don't think that. But this was incredibly frustrating to have a guy bring his team out up 17 to 6 and and just like you said, poop down their legs in the third quarter. Just poo all over their legs. I think what speaks
2: volumes about that is the effort on defense. Because Mace had another unbelievable statistic. Denver allowed 269 yards rushing on Sunday. As Mace pointed out, four players have rushed for at least 200 yards in a game over the last two years in the NFL. Three of them were against the Broncos. Leonard Fournette is the latest. The Jaguars running back finished with 29 carries for 225 yards. There's a positive. At least Denver didn't allow a rushing touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I the guys don't. Up front for the Broncos defense, the front seven, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Adam Gotsis, Draymont Jones, Demarcus Walker, Todd Davis, Justin Hollins should be embarrassed. They got owned. They got owned in every sense of the word. And given that it's the third time in the last two years,
1: clearly that's the players. Yeah, it's a player issue. That's a, I mean, there's no other way to say it, right? Because it's different coaches. Different coaches. That's a player issue. And I, I actually think... When when it comes to running the football, and this is something that you hear uh, from guys that have played in the in the trenches, running is such a personal attack, right? Uh, if you're an offense and you're able to to run the ball down somebody's throat, that is a personal attack on that front seven. That is a, a personal attack on those defensive linemen who cannot stop you. And if you're trying to run the ball and you cannot, That personal attack attack goes the opposite direction. That is a defensive line that is saying to an offensive line and a running back, we're bigger, bad, or stronger. You don't bother us. And and So to me, that is really um, one of those things. where To watch a Leonard Fournette just rack up the yards, just chew up the field, constantly being able to break tackles and get to the second level, that to me is a huge indictment, as you said, of those guys that you listed. And then also – it is so personal, and and I hope they take it personally. I hope they go back and they look at themselves in the mirror and they go, "What is wrong with us? Why can't we make the the plays? Why can't we make the stops that need to be made? Why are guys continually running on us as if it was as as if we were little sisters of the poor and they were giant you know NFL players because they are playing like little sisters of the poor at a certain point. I I, I don't know. That, that's got to be like an inward soul searching you probably shouldn't be here anymore kind of thing because those guys have failed miserably guys like Shelby Harris to me is, is the, is the most disappointing. He was supposed to be in a year that he's going to break out this year. This was supposed to be his year. This was going to be his season. He's going to get a big contract. I'm I'm not offering him a big contract. He's, he gets nothing for me at this point after the first, the, the, the season is a quarter over. And with the season, a quarter over, I, I want nothing to do with anybody who plays on the Denver Broncos defensive line. Nothing. And that brings up a great point that Jeff Essery
2: tweeted out a couple of days ago. And I had not even thought about this. Denver has neglected and taken for granted the defensive side of the ball for the last three years while trying to remake the offense. Since 2017, Denver has drafted seven new offensive players, contributing significant snaps. three, on defense, two. If you
1: include the demotion of Isaac Yadam. which I think, I think you should include, volume. yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's huge. Yeah, I mean, we we could do a whole episode on an indictment of the franchise, and we probably will. Uh, but I, I think that at this point, for at least for this, the frustration is the the frustration level is such that, like, I can't even hardly talk sometimes when I get going, right? It's just watching that game, it was, it was like getting punched in the stomach. It was like uh, you, you get to the second half and you go, where, where did the team go that I was so excited about 15 minutes ago? What happened to those players? And it, like you said, it's, it was disappointing on a number of levels. I think it was disappointing that we weren't able to celebrate Von Miller's 100th sack. That that would have been a fun thing to do on the show. But you know, kudos to him, but the team lost, so it doesn't matter. And I, I think that go that's another point to be made. The Denver Broncos are 0-4. They've shown they can lose while not sacking the quarterback and while sacking the quarterback. That clearly doesn't matter. So everybody calm down now. That's not the problem. There's something else going on. And it
2: what's so disappointing is there are some great performances on Sunday by this football team. Cortland Sutton. Emmanuel Sanders, Justin Simmons was all over the field on defense. Dalton Reisner has proven to be a franchise guard. And I thought the offensive line did a hell of a job in pass protection against that Jaguars front seven. The Jaguars didn't get
1: a sack. No, they did not. Garrett Bowles didn't hold again. That's two games in a row. I'm worried that there's like a hole or something in the space-time continuum that might be opening up because that, that seems a little off to me. And then I
2: also included Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and I put an asterisk next to Von Miller but Von Miller played a hell of a game on top of his two sacks he had two tackles for loss and four quarterback hits and as you said because I I really didn't know what to do with Von Miller in terms of listing him as a winner I didn't want to put him as a loser so I thought about both but then when I looked and I looked at the stats and then I remembered what was going on through the whole game he was von Miller on Sunday. But I think it was a roughing the passer penalty call. But as you said, there wasn't really anything he could have done about it because Minshew basically fell into him. It was just it was an unfortunate play, but I and I don't think there's anything Miller could have done about it, but I think it was a roughing the passer penalty. But that doesn't take
1: away from the hell of a game that Von Miller played. Yeah, he 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 was incredible. He was was an incredible player out there. And and that, I think, is perhaps what makes it all the more difficult as a fan, that you're watching the best player on the team do what you need him to do as a fan. You've been saying for the last three weeks, where is Von Miller? Where is Von Miller? Where is Von Miller? He finally shows up, so to speak, puts his stamp on the game, and then has sort of an unfortunate event take place at the end where – He's he's kind of going one way, Minshew's going the other, he's falling down, Minshew's falling down. The 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 guy blocking him really kind of blocks him into Minshew, but you you can't hit the quarterback around the head at all. That's pat that's roughing the passer. So yeah, you're right. It was roughing the passer. It's just an unfortunate incident. But I think the worst part about it is it never should have come to that. That never should have been an issue. Right? You want, there are going to be people who say, well, Von Miller shouldn't have been doing that, or that wasn't a, a roughing the passer. You could go several different directions. They never should have come to that. They should have come out in the third quarter, put their foot on the necks of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and stepped down very hard. That's what should have happened. They should have crushed that team. They should have broken their spirit. And instead, they had their spirits broken, and so they ended up losing the game. They came back in the fourth quarter, and they touchdown drive by Joe Flacco was phenomenal. You didn't even mention Noah Fant, who I think had a pretty good game, a nice little bounce back game, considering he fumbled uh, a week ago, and so now you know he gets his first touchdown for you know in the NFL, a nice little you know catch and run, and and you still walk away with a loss. You're still 0 and 4. You're still not going to make the playoffs. You're still probably going to come on, come in last in the division. And we went from I – th- I said our – what did I say our, our floor was? Something like four. Four wins. I think our floor just dropped to three. If that. Maybe two. I, I just don't know that they – they they've looked good at times, but you can't look good at times. You have to look good for 60 minutes, and they, they didn't do that. Not against the Jaguars. Not against the legend of, of Gardner Minshew. Let's, I, I do want to give him some credit. He – he was evasive. He moved around. He did some things that uh, allowed him to keep plays alive, and, and eventually those things worked out for them. And so you do have to give him some credit as a quarterback, somebody that nobody expected has come in and, and I think really put his, himself in a position to remain as the starter even when Nick Foles comes back. Especially as a rookie. Yeah. On the road, in a tough environment where they
2: were getting they were getting beat soundly in the first half and they came out and they imposed their will on the Broncos, whatever Vic Fangio and that coaching staff did for the Broncos, Doug Marone and his coaching staff did the complete opposite in the Jaguars locker room. So kudos to Doug Marone and his coaching staff for what they did and kudos to Leonard Fournette and that Jaguars offensive line. Because when you do that to an, to an oppose to another NFL team, when you completely own a defense like they did in the second half, you get massive
1: credit. Yeah, absolutely massive credit. And you know, it's funny cuz it's almost like Vic Fangio and his coaching staff handed out melatonin pills and Doug Marone and his coaching staff handed out amphetamines. That's the only way I can think to describe it. Like that's got to be what it was, right? It was it was drugs. I'm blaming drugs. If you, if you couldn't I'm dead. tell. <laughs>
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. As as we were talking about before we started recording, the thing that bothers me is this the, the continued nonsense from members of the Denver Broncos telling fans how to be fans, telling them, well, you stick with your team regardless of what happens on the field. You do, but that doesn't mean you can't be pissed off. And Broncos fans have every right to be pissed off with the garbage that they've seen on the field the last three years because this organization is better than this. It should be better than this. It used to be better than this. I mean, this is the organization that was owned by Pat Bowen where the expectation is you win a Super Bowl every season. Now, granted, the expectation isn't going to happen every year. You're not going to win a Super Bowl every year unless you're Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I just threw up on my mouth. A little bit, But There was the expectation that you not only win, but you compete. And they didn't compete in the second half, especially on defense. So stop telling fans how to be fans and do your job. Actually go out on the field and play for 60 minutes. Then you can tell me how to be a fan. But until you do, until you win a game, until you do your job, shut the F up and win a football
1: game. Oh, you guys, Ian's really angry and he's right to be angry. And I think you have a good point there. It is it is always funny to me uh, when, when a player sort of admonishes the fans because they booed. Uh, you know, at, at a certain point, we're paying your salary as fans – we buy the merchandise we pay for the tickets we we buy the the NFL packages so that we can watch your games we do everything that we can we can we contribute as fans to your salary obviously there are other other things that contribute as well but we're a big part of that and if i'm not pleased with the performance on the field, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to make sure you know. And we talked about this as, as Yankee fans. Uh, we sort of have a, a, a certain perspective on it because you do boo when somebody does a bad job. You do make sure they know that they've made a mistake. And, and the other thing that I brought up with you that I think is interesting, the I talked about the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs were terrible for 115 years. The Chicago Cubs were a, a sort of a laughing stock. Hadn't won a World Series since 1908. Fans stopped showing up. And when the fans stopped showing up, when the fans stopped spending their money on the team, that's when the owners went out and got a, a, a GM that was going to make a difference, brought in Joe Madden as a, as a, manager brought in players that they needed to bring into win. they went all in on winning a, a world series. And then they won a world series. The fans have a right to voice their displeasure with what's going on on the field. And Oftentimes, it's voicing your displeasure with what's going on on the field that causes a team to change the way that it's doing things. And that probably is something that needs to happen more in Denver, that people need to stop showing up. People need to say, I'm not going to waste my Sunday on this. I'm not going to waste my time on this. And I'm not telling you to not root for your team. I'm not telling people to not be a fan of the Denver Broncos because I know that what I'm going to be doing next Sunday is watching the Broncos play football. But at a certain point, people are going to say, you know what, it's not worth it. You're not doing it for me, and so I'm out. And if if you as a player don't like that, if you as a player think that makes me less of a fan, you're welcome to think that, but maybe you should just go do your job so that I don't have to think that I don't need to spend my time on you. That's that's the, the point that bothers me. The other, The other way to look at it is celebrations, right? You don't want somebody to celebrate a touchdown? Don't let them score. You don't want me to boo you? Play well. You don't want me to boo you? Come out in the third quarter and don't suck because you came out in the third quarter today and you sucked.
2: The other aspect of it that bothers me is the fans who say, Well, I'm going to stole, I'm with my team 100%, as if that makes you more of a fan for the people who do get pissed off. Yeah, like you're, be- you're better than me. me. Yeah, It doesn't make you any better of a fan or your fandom any more powerful than mine because I'm pissed and I voice that displeasure. As I said, the Broncos are better than this. They should be better than this. And there was a time they were better than this. You have every right to expect more, to demand more as a fan, especially of the
1: Denver Broncos. I think that's a really good point. The 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 Broncos have set a standard. The, and, and that's really what you have to remember here. The the Denver Broncos, especially under Pat Bolin, set a standard. And this Denver Broncos franchise as it is constructed now, the, the team, the ownership, the 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 general manager and all of his little minions that run around with him, they are not living up to the standard that was set by the former owner Pat Bolin. And I I think until the ownership situation gets figured out, until somebody can step in and make changes, this is what you get. And, you know, you get what you get. and You don't throw a fit. Disagree. I'm going to throw a fit.
2: And I think that's the biggest issue is there isn't competent leadership at the top to hold people accountable. And we were talking about this a year ago. You have to make the tough decisions, whatever the tough decision may be. And I don't think there isn't there's obviously not that person at the top. Joe Ellis is obviously not that guy.
1: No, that guy's the worst. That guy's terrible. Um, all right, what else about the game, though? Is there anything else we want to say about the game? I think right now it's just... How bad is it going to get? Yeah. How much worse can it get?
0: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always... Go Broncos.